Welcome to the first episode of Flies Podcast. I'm Alyssa and I'll be your host for today. Joining me will be Youngler, Durga and Cherish. They are from Fly's very own research team. Major thanks to our fellow researcher Yvonne for making today's episode possible. This episode will focus on COVID-19 and the new normal and we will be talking about the topic of unemployment in Malaysia. Before we start off, we would like to put a disclaimer that the speaker's views do not represent FLY or any other institution and we would like to emphasize that they are not experts. So without further ado, let's start off today's discussion. As we all know, Malaysia's unemployment rates have been at its highest, which is about um, 5%. For a lot of us that don't have the basic understanding of the economy, I think it'd be interesting if um, we could understand how does the pandemic affect unemployment. So what are your thoughts, Youngler? Okay, so uh, because of this COVID-19 pandemic, the Malaysian government has actually imposed lockdown measures or containment efforts so as to reduce the spread of the virus. And this MCO that has been implemented, the Movement Control Order, uh, it actually restricted business activities that is not considered vital to the livelihood of this, uh, the rakyat, right? So only grocery stores and important services are allowed to open. Whereas uh, retail stores or brick and mortar stores are ordered to cease operations so as not to uh, spread the virus, right? So because of this, because of the drop in business activities, these uh, business owners or employers, they actually face uh, a challenge to survive without uh, positive cash flow without a cash flow, incoming cash flows, right? And then uh, as a result of this, there is no need to employ as many employees, as many workers as they used to before the pandemic. A simple example of this is when, if you go to the shopping mall uh, during the MCO, all the, all the other shops are closed, all the brick and mortar, the retail stores, fashion retail stores, all are closed. That shows that there is no need for a worker, there are no need for workers because there are no operations. And because of this, this layoffs and retrenchments uh, carried out by these companies, these businesses, this will lead to a higher unemployment rate in Malaysia. And an another example is the, the tourism sector that's hardly hit by this COVID. Uh, for example, the airline industry or the businesses that are associated with the tourism sector will be greatly affected and therefore might need to lay off and retrench which uh, cause the unemployment rate to increase. Uh, I think Cherish is more well-versed on this the tourism sector and this airline industry. Is, is it true what I said, Cherish? Do you think that the unemployment rate there is worse or bad in this economy right now? Uh, yeah, um, I just want to like further add on to like what Yang will say, but basically I agree to, you know, like what he said. So um, I just want to say like um, the tourism industry, right, especially looking at the airline and hotel businesses, like the entire COVID-19 has brought, you know, a very serious impact onto this industry in Malaysia. So um, how does this COVID actually really affect the performance of Malaysia's tourism industry is like, um, for example, one of the major campaign this year that's going to be launched by the Ministry, uh, Ministry of Tourism, the Visit Malaysia 2020 campaign, if not mistaken. So it's actually being cancelled because um, 
in order in effort to prevent um, the widespread of the virus. And with these consequences, right, like including the travel bans enforced and also declining demands in within the consumers. So um, airline businesses are actually exposed to major risk of bankruptcy. Looking at Malaysia, major airlines, for example, Asia, Melindo and Mars have since uh, initiated salary cuts. So um, from an overview, you know, looking from the tourism sector performance, it is estimated um, to suffer a loss of 3.3 billion ringgit, you know, uh, by June 2020. And because of this, right, the workers in the hotel industry are said to be deeply affected, you know, by the retrenchment, the worst. And majority of them are being asked to take unpaid leave or even, like I mentioned, salary cuts. Uh, or on a more serious note, you know, some of them are being laid off, um, which is actually very critical. This is a very critical situation to look at because these workers, they actually mainly belong to the B40 group. And not to mention that they are mostly paid on hourly or daily basis. Yeah, so it's a very serious issue to look at. I agree. It's definitely serious. Um, in short, um, I think what you're trying to say is that the tourism industry definitely took the biggest hit because of the pandemic. Um, and just from pure observation alone, I see that a lot of shops are going down just like what Yang Le um, has substantiated about, you know. Um, but on the other hand, businesses are going online and um, I think there are some opportunities for people to kind of like get that economic uh, independence. I think the most obvious examples are like freelancers and the prevalence of gig economy or even businesses going online. So I think the question I want to ask is, um, do you think that there are other industries that are thriving because of the pandemic? Say, healthcare. Um, Durga, do you want to share any of your um, input in this? Uh, yeah, actually that, that is actually true. There are a few industries that are, to be said, thriving during this uh, pandemic time. If you, can, uh, if you can see like healthcare and medical supplies have actually seen an increase in business by at least 40%. If you read the news like, uh, two, like a month ago, they actually, um, the Ministry of Health uh, actually renewed the contract for a lot of the current healthcare workers, which are um, on contract basis, contract basis like the doctors, the nurses and also the pharmacies who have been working there. Then um, another, that is on like the public sector side of healthcare. Then if you look at the private sector, private hospitals have been appointed as centers to conduct COVID-19 swab tests. And also they have like special task force. This simultaneously creates more job employment for those people who want to create like, who want to, uh, perform their housemanship or something like that. Then the, another industry which was striving would be, which works hand in hand with uh, healthcare would be medical supplies. Medical supplies like masks, gloves, and PPE was, is and will be a big necessity during this pandemic time. Uh, as we all know, Malaysia is the biggest supplier in Asia for rubber gloves. So during this pandemic time, there was a surge of orders, not only throughout Malaysia, but also other countries, overseas countries like UK and US. Uh, it has been recorded that NHS UK actually bought over at least 89 million 
gloves from Supermax Malaysia and also Top Glove. But given that these two industries has like improved and has at least have increased in business at least by 40%, it is considered like a sector which is an outlier because when you look at other industries in the economy, like 80 to 90% of it have actually suffered a lot in terms of unemployment, decline in trading activities, some businesses even went into bankruptcy. So when you look at it as a whole, Malaysian economy has suffered a huge hit, which has contributed to the fact that the unemployment rate has worsened during the pandemic. I see. Um, I definitely agree with that. Um, so we're dealing with issues like bankruptcy um, and even to a large extent, like seeing how the B40 groups are affected by this, they're more likely vulnerable to be put into like poverty. So I just want to ask, like seeing that there is a net positive uh, unemployment, right? Because um, like you said, more sectors are suffering. Uh, and so that means more people are unemployed. And Recently, the economic stimulus packages are being implemented. But um, can any of you like pinpoint what are like specific um, tools or policies that are being used to address the issue of unemployment and to kind of alleviate the burden of the marginalized groups? Okay, uh, I'll take this question. Um, first of all, we know uh, one of the biggest players in our economy would the Malay would be the government of a country so we will see how did the Malaysian government actually help like the employers in uh, Malaysia to actually retreat, uh, revive the economy or bring it to a better place during the pandemic time so one of the biggest initiatives done by our government would be the wage subsidy program which was introduced on the earlier days of MCO which uh, the wage subsidy program literally uh, helps or assists employers who are economically impacted due to COVID-19. So in this way, they can actually continue their operations and without, uh, while ensuring that they don't outlay any of their current workers. So if they outlay the current workers, this will actually increase the unemployment rate for Malaysia and also worsen it. So under this program, uh, about 5.3 billion was ringgit was allocated by the Malaysian government, which kind of subsidized an average of 600 ringgit of the salary given uh, per employee in relevant industries. However, there are certain conditions for this wage subsidy program. On an individual perspective, the Malaysian that is getting the wage subsidy has to earn less than 4,000 ringgit. Whereas in a firm perspective, it, uh, the whole sum of wage subsidy that is allocated is based on whether it is a small, medium or a large company and also what is the nature of business activities. For the employers, how would this help them would be that if one of the biggest costs in a company would be their firm's overhead costs, which mainly contributes the which is mainly uh, contributed from the salaries that they pay off to their employees. So in that way, um, it will reduce the wage burden for the employers. And so this will simultaneously allow them not to fall into bankruptcy in the future. Yeah, 
I, I totally agree. Uh, this, uh, this wage subsidy program is actually a brilliant initiative by the government so as to uh, control the unemployment rate from increasing, from going out of control. Uh, however, I, I, this wage subsidy program, right, there are actually a few key points that are interesting to note. Uh, firstly, uniquely in Malaysia, uh, before a business can actually get this enrolled into this wage subsidy program, they have to uh, have their application approved by the government. So if we compare it with other countries, say Singapore, Singapore has a similar job scheme. Uh, anyone who's automatically entitled to the benefits can get the benefits. But unlike that in Malaysia, you actually have to get approved first. While I think that this is actually a very good initiative so as to only help those businesses that are affected by the COVID-19 pandemic, those industries that are really affected, the one thing that might be a disadvantage is if this approval process, this application process is uh, too slow, especially in times of needs like this, where businesses need cash as soon as possible. So I think that what's key to this wage subsidy program is how the relevant bodies can uh, make this application process more efficient and as well as more transparent. And these are the two things that I think will, uh, will optimize this wage subsidy program to, to the best it could. And then uh, besides that, there's one more interesting thing uh, is that the subsidy period for this wage subsidy program is three months in Malaysia. Whereas uh, our neighboring country, Singapore, under their similar job scheme, uh, they offer six months. And this might be a small problem uh, depending on how you see it, because experts around the world has already uh, already said that this economic recession, this global economic slowdown might take months or even years before it can regain to what it was before this pandemic. So perhaps uh, uh, offering this wage subsidy program for a longer period, at least maybe until the end of the year, could, uh, uh, could assist in helping to bring down the unemployment rate. But otherwise, besides these two points, I feel like the wage subsidy program is a good initiative by the government. And uh, it, it is, whether or not it is working, we have to see it in the near future when the results for this quarter is released. Uh, but besides this, uh, besides this wage subsidy program, I think the government has initiatives in their policy making their fiscal and monetary policy making, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, um, let me uh, let me briefly, you know, like talk about it, like the reintroduction of some of the fiscal and monetary policies during the um, COVID nineteen pandemic outbreak. So, um, just give a little clearer uh, context, maybe. So, in particular for tourism industry, right. Um, involving uh, business associated, like for example, travel, travel agencies, hotels, airlines, and etc. So the government has actually provided a deferment of monthly tax installments for six months. And hotels are also exempted from various service tax. Um, with that being said, the government is um, expected to spend 15 billion ringgit out of the total 260 billion ringgit of 
economic injection, which is uh, mainly used to assist the small and medium uh, enterprises through this critical time. Uh, I'll add on to what Sherry said. Simultaneously, all these actions right, will bring back the economy back to normal. So in that way, the unemployment rate will automatically be reduced. That, uh, what Sherry explained was probably the fiscal policies. Uh, Bank Negara also had few monetary policies, if I'm not mistaken. It was, uh, they cut down their statutory reserve ratio by injecting money into the banking system. They cut down it, they cut it down from 3% to 2%, releasing about like 30 billion into the banking system so that it can help to cope the current economic slowdown. Another thing the uh, Malaysian Central Bank, which is Bank Negara, has done is to make some changes to the OPR, which is known as, which is actually the overnight policy rate. They have reduced it from 25 basis points to 1.75%, which is actually the third reduction to the bank, to the to its benchmark rate this year. So that's one of the monetary, there are a few examples of monetary policies uh, done by Bank Navarra this for to cope during this pandemic. Yeah, so yeah. basically in general, right, um these decisions and initiatives, or whether from the government or from bank, the central bank bank Navarra, um are are mainly in hope, you know, to stimulate um, more business activities and operations in the current market situation, as well as um, encouraging the investment spending from both, whether uh, to be individuals or corporations, so that there could be more money flowing in the market to generate more activities in order to sustain the economy further. Mm. So, so basically what I'm getting from... Uh, all three of you is that um, all of these measures are initiated or refined like in the case of the expansionary uh, policies. Um, yeah, they're, they're to speed up the process of economic recovery um, so that hopefully unemployment rates would be reduced. I think um, those are very solid points being made there. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed here um, with a lot of uncertainty um, I really hope that these um, measures will actually achieve its objective. So for the last question of the day, I think this is a very um, interesting one for the youths out there. Um, can any of you explain how um, the stimulus package um, will benefit the youths? Um, and in your opinion, uh, what are some initiatives that um, we as youths can carry out to brace ourselves for another unemployment shock in the future. Yeah, what are your thoughts? Um, if you actually see, right, the economic stimulus packages are actually supposed to benefit the youth on a short-term basis. It is not supposed to help them recover or give a long-term solution. So we as youths have to understand, uh, we have to take responsibility and also realize that we have to make initiatives which will give us a long-term solution. Uh, one, of the, one of the personal uh, initiatives that we can take as youths would be to upskill themselves, to upskill ourselves in a way that we, we should understand our old skills have actually become really redundant because now we are looking forward towards new normal. Yeah, you can use your old skills, there's no problem to that in terms of 
uh, academics and your uh, communicative skills. But you have to look at new normal. New normal is that a lot of people are working from home. A lot of uh, digital uh, digital linked companies are actually becoming more uh, uh, having a better sales revenue compared to companies which do not have digital skills. So the long-term solution that you can do and your own personal initiative is to equip themselves with new digital skills so that they are marketable in today's job market. Even our Malaysian government, I think they have provided a lot of funds so that youths can uh, equip themselves with these skills. They actually financed uh, about, they funded about like 15 million ringgit to finance short-term courses where 20 million ringgit was actually allocated just for the manufacturing sector as it contributes to most of the uh, industries in Malaysia. Uh, we as youths have to be proactive and like find for uh, outlets that provide us with digital skills. As we all know, uh, if you go to LinkedIn, there is a lot of virtual internships and courses provided by many companies and outlets today. You can even go and see, I think there was one virtual internship by KPMG and also like public banks. So these kind of skills help us to ensure that we keep on updating ourselves, upgrading ourselves and upskilling ourselves. So that's one initiative that we as youths can do at this period of time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just want to further add on to like what Duga has mentioned. Um, you know, aside from upskilling and also attending uh, virtual internships, and courses provided by the companies and whatnot, you know, uh, maybe in, I mean, for, for my personal opinion, I think that the youths have to actually think of alternatives, you know, to make way for additional income source. You know, for example, um, the youth can consider venturing into startups uh, where plenty of resources are available currently. Um, to further illustrate, right, the government and private sector have actually co-funded about 500 million ringgit for startups and enterprises for both um, development stage, uh, early stage and also growth stages. Uh, other than that, right, um, there are also financial relief to the business borrowers currently from the banks in terms of uh, loan restructuring and also re loan rescheduling, which actually provide flexibility, you know, to the business owners. Uh, for expanding their operations and sustaining their growth. There are also uh, fundings provided for business digitalization and automation, uh, which mentioned by Duga, which, you know, like somehow this can encourage the youth to consider starting their own businesses, as especially, you know, youths currently are deemed as the new generation that excels in uh, all sorts of technological expertise. Uh, just generally speaking, in critical times as such, right, the youth should actually they should be more bolder. They should be bolder and braver when it comes to decision making in their life. You know, like the path where the path leads. Uh, they are required to embrace um new challenges in this new normal with more innovative solutions to look for um to look for the future sustainability. Yeah, I think Durga and Cherish pretty much sum up what we youths can do in uh, hard times like this. Uh, I guess the key point that we can extract from there is that uh, as the younger generations, as fresh graduates or youths, what we can do is to 
constantly look out for different opportunities, even in the hardest of times like this. Uh, basically, do not confine to what we have learned in like university or whatever you have learned. Instead, step out of your com comfort zone and try like new things. Go apply for jobs that the job scopes might not uh, even be what you have been familiar with. And through this, you, you might be able to gain experience and potentially learn new skills that are applicable in the workforce in these times. So what I guess what I could say is that as, as the younger generation, as the, the vibrant, energetic generation, what we can do is to not blame uh, the economic recession for what or who we are now. Because I keep, I always hear people saying, uh, oh, it's just bad luck, we cannot get jobs. And uh, perhaps instead of uh, giving excuses like that, perhaps try to redevelop yourself and to not look at this, at this uh, recession as a setback, but instead to look at it as an opportunity. And yeah, that's what I think, that's my two cents. Uh, Yang Le, I think uh, this is the first time you heard it, but I think you can be a motivational speaker, you know. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's told you. I think this is definitely the first time you heard it, right? Never, right? Never been done before. Uh, yeah, so maybe we I have... should try it. Look out for different opportunities. Yeah, <laughs> I should venture into that maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I think those are really um, valid and viable um, advice that you can give to the youth. Um, we don't. We not only have the privilege of having a lot of opportunities because um, uh, Durga mentioned about virtual internships. Um, Cherish mentioned about um, being more creative about income uh, sources, and Yangle mentioned about uh, you know not looking at it as a as a setback. And I think I agree. You know, because um, we do have the privilege of time, and I think that this time we should really use it to upskill ourselves, find um, a myriad of other opportunities. You know, even I myself um, am doing a virtual internship. I'm currently doing one with the link leaders. But okay, enough of that. Um, before we wrap up today's episode, um, let me just summarize some areas we've covered. So the first thing that we've dealt with was that um, our speakers have explained to us the correlation of the pandemic and unemployment. Secondly, um, They've walked us through how um, policies by both um, the government and non-governmental agencies um, are being implemented. And lastly, the speakers have given their um, two cents on how the youth stand to make the best out of the situation. Um, thank you for tuning in, everyone. Thank you to the um, speakers for giving their thoughts and um, spending their time um, on the podcast. Do follow our updates on social media, everyone. And don't forget to catch the next episode. This has been Fly Podcast.